Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you are here. Welcome online. Those of you who have tuned in uh, from near and far, as always, thank you. Stay engaged. And when you're able, come in person. We'd love to have you. And welcome. I am Pastor Chris. Uh, great to be here. So I do have one, uh, another announcement that they've uh, tasked me with uh, talking about this morning, and that is Easter. Uh, we, we like to say Easter weekend around here uh, because we're going to have six services over three days, one on Friday night, two on Saturday, and then three on Sunday morning. And uh, we've already started the, uh, the onslaught of uh, marketing and invitations, and uh, I need your help. So today out in the, uh, I, I believe by both sets of doors here in the uh, auditorium and then the doors that are by the, the, the tower uh, across from child check-in, uh, we have yard signs. I know you're like, let there be light. All of a sudden you can, you can see your neighbor. Um, so... Kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, anyway, um, so we have yard signs, and uh, we've been doing yard signs for a number of years. Honestly, I think probably six, seven years. Uh, very simple. Easter at coastal.com. That's all it says. And so I need you. Uh, in fact, normally we have about 200 yard signs, uh, but our shipment of yard signs, uh, most of our yard signs did not come. But I think we still have probably about 75 of them uh, out by the doors. And so I need you to pick up a yard sign and place it. Uh, yes, in your yard, that's fine, especially you live in kind of a busy area, busy neighborhood, that's fine. Uh, but if you live like if out in the middle of nowhere, the end of a cul-de-sac, don't put a yard sign up in your yard. But I, well, here's what I need, though. I need everybody to take yard signs and put them strategically around Charleston, uh, especially West Ashley, but anywhere, everywhere, uh, intersections, uh, stop signs, um, you know, Costco, Walmart, just, you know, high traffic areas. Now, I do need you to own your yard sign, okay? So you put it up. As soon as Easter is over, I need you to retrieve it. Go get it and bring it back to us. Now, we realize we lose a percentage of yard signs every year because of, you know, landscapers, neighborhood associations, uh, neighborhood Nazis, um, just mean people. I don't know. We lose a certain percentage, but we have people at our church today. I was in two different groups, life groups this past week, and there was a person in each one of those groups who basically credits, you know, seeing Easter at Coastal.com, went to our website, registered, came on Easter, and has kept coming. One of those couples, uh, one of those families, uh, they gave their life to Christ, and I married them because somebody put up a yard sign. Okay, so I want to see all of those yard signs gone today after church, okay? I'd like to see them just gone after the first service, and then next week we'll have more, and uh, you can help me put them out. We also have tickets Thank you, Scott. We also have tickets out there. Uh, pick up tickets, hand them out, give them out. Uh, friends, neighbors, family, coworkers, neighbors, um, hand these out. Um, and it's, it's all about getting people to easteratcoastal.com. We do need you to go ahead and register. You don't have to have a ticket to come to the service, obviously, but it would be a great benefit to us if we would know which service is full. Uh, historically, the 10 o'clock and the 11.30 service is full on Easter Sunday. So here's what I also need you to do. Don't come to that service. Okay, don't come to another service. Now, here's the caveat. Here's what we tell anybody. 
You get friends and neighbors, coworkers, family to come to church with you, you come to the service they're coming to. If they come at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, you come 10 o'clock. If they come 11.30, you come then. But if not, then come to another service because those are the fullest services. We are actually working at having, hopefully we're gonna have overflow in our new chapel specifically for those two services. So I need you to come to one of this, come, come Friday night, come Saturday afternoon. And, uh, and I'll talk about serving in just a moment. So pick up yard signs, pick up uh, tickets. We also have some more of these books, I believe, at the cross, which is the series we're in right now. Give these out. Uh, you never know the power of a simple invitation could make in somebody's life where they come, uh, Jesus forever changes their life, they hear the good news of the gospel, they get saved, it just changes their eternity simply because someone reached out and invite them. Take those tickets today, go out to dinner, go out to lunch after church today, leave a generous tip and leave some tickets. If you don't leave a generous tip, shame on you, don't invite anybody to Coastal, okay? At least not then. Now, let's, let's get going. Um, again, it's all about Easter coming up. Uh, as Christians, it is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive, sin and death have been defeated, but here's the deal, and we talked about this last week as we kicked off this series at the cross. There is no Easter Sunday without a Good Friday. There is no resurrection without the crucifixion. So in this series, what we're doing is we're going back 2,000 years to that first Good Friday in Jerusalem, to those six hours that Jesus was on the cross, and we're looking at the cross through the eyes of the people who were actually there. Today, we're gonna look at the cross through the eyes of a woman who was at the feet of the cross, who, at the foot of the cross, who honestly, throughout history, has been very, very misunderstood, okay? So let me set the scene for you. Jesus is on the cross, moments away from his last breath. The Roman soldiers are there. We talked about them last week. They're dividing up Jesus' clothes, just gambling over who's gonna take his robe home. And it's at this point in the story that we see who was actually willing to be there with Jesus during his last moments. Who was willing to go all the way to the end with Jesus? We pick up the story in John chapter 19, verse 25. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Underline those last two words, Mary Magdalene. That's who we're gonna look at today. Now, we don't know everybody who was there at the cross with Jesus, but we do know that most of Jesus' disciples had turned tail and run. They were not there. They were too afraid to go to the cross with Jesus. But the Bible tells us that there were some specific women, by the way, who were courageous enough to be there. Now, three of them had the name Mary, but it's the final Mary that's mentioned here, Mary Magdalene, that we're going to look at today. Now, throughout history uh, and in popular fiction, Mary Magdalene has been the subject of a lot of uh, popular myths, conspiracy theories. The truth is, uh, we don't know a lot about her because she's only mentioned a few times in the New Testament. But she has come to be known as a woman who has quite, uh, quite a reputation. But I want to debunk some of the popular myths that are out there that have been made popular, you know, by Tom Hanks and the Da Vinci Code and all that stuff. So, first of all, here's the first myth, myth number one, that Magdalene was her last name. 
Okay, that's an easy one. Magdalene wasn't her last name. It's actually uh, in reference to the city where she was from, the city of Magdala. Okay, myth number two, and again, this was made popular by the Da Vinci Code, that Mary was Jesus' wife, or that they had some sort of romantic relationship. Listen to me, that is just simply made up. Okay, there is no, none, no historical evidence, evidence, biblically, historically, that she was anything other than a faithful follower and supporter of Jesus. In fact, those myths didn't pop up until after the Middle Ages. Okay, here's the third one, that Mary was a prostitute, that Mary was a prostitute. This myth got started around the 6th century, years after her death. Pope Gregory was the first to associate Mary with the repentant prostitute in the New Testament. And that's why if you come across some classic paintings of Mary, you kind of see her portrayed in this light. But it's not true. Now, it makes for a good Hollywood story, but there's no evidence to back that up, historically or biblically. The truth is, Mary was none of those things, but here is what she was. She was a fully devoted follower of Jesus. She was fully devoted to Jesus, so much so that at the cross, even when his closest disciples had deserted him, she's there to the very end. And I think this is important for us to talk about today, because there are those of us who are followers of Jesus, and you know, it's so easy in life at some time you know, to, to lose your passion for God. You know, to become worried or distracted or afraid. And, you know, times get tough. And things are difficult. And, and, and sometimes we fall away. We lose our passion. But the interesting thing is, Mary did not. She was with Jesus to the, to the bitter end. So I want us to talk about that today. What does it mean? What does it look like? What does it take to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? And what lessons can we learn from Mary Magdalene? So here's the first one. Number one, at some point you've got to allow God to restore my broken life. Restore your broken life. You know, at the, at the, again, at the end of Jesus' life, Mary is right there at the cross. But you've got to understand something. Before she met Jesus, before she became known as a, a fully devoted follower of Christ, like many people, like many of us, Mary had a broken, broken life. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, by the way. He's traveling, teaching, healing people, and then this is what it says. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about God's kingdom. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Okay, so the Bible tells us that Mary had been demon-possessed. By seven demons. Now, at that point, you know, she would have been considered an, an outcast in society, impure. I mean, there definitely would have been a stigma associated with, with her. You know, there would have been a reputation uh, attached to her. And so it's at this broken state in her life that she meets Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but at some point in the interaction, Jesus heals her. He sets her free. 
And, and she decides that, you know, she's going to follow this guy. She's going to be a follower of Jesus. Now, in the Bible, whenever you see uh, the number seven, typically it is used to portray, portray uh, completeness. Okay, completeness. So, you know, was she literally possessed by seven demons, or was it a number that's being used to show just how completely broken and messed up her life really was? We don't know exactly, but either way, her life was a mess. Before she met met Jesus, her life was completely, I mean, messed up. She's broken, she's lost, but it was afterward that she met Jesus, and everything completely changed. She's healed, she's restored, so much so that she is now committed to following Jesus, even to the cross. Now, you might be here today in person, online, you might not be possessed by seven demons right now. Some of you possibly, okay, maybe. But here's my guess. Just like Mary, I bet you're feeling pretty broken. Maybe there's some part of your life right now that feels like it's in shambles. Maybe your career is broken. Your finances are a mess. Your personal life is in shambles. You know, maybe you thought that by this point in your life, you know, you were going to be married, you'd have a career, you'd have a family, but all that stuff hadn't played out that way. And right now, honestly, you don't know how to put all the broken pieces back together. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you don't know how how possibly God could bring something good out of the mess that you happen to find yourself in. Now here's what I believe. I believe that, you know, the truth is we are all broken to some extent. Now, you might not have a failing marriage, you might not be on the verge of financial disaster, but because of sin, we're all messed up. We're all broken. The Bible says that you and I, we were all created in the image of God, and that God's divine image, his divine spark, is in all of us, but sin has come into the world and come into our life, and it's broken that. In other words, you don't resemble We don't resemble who God originally created us to be. And as a result, we are hurting, empty, lost, and confused. We're a broken people that, because sin has separated us from God and from whom God originally created us to be. And it's very possible that you you feel that brokenness in a very real way every day in your life. But when we look at Mary and her life, we see that we have a God who specializes in this stuff. He specializes in restoring broken people. Listen, this might be why you're here today, to find out that that no matter how broken you might feel, no matter how messed up you might feel, that Jesus can and wants to heal your broken life. In fact, look at this next promise in Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. It says that Jesus heals us. He heals our, our broken heart. So listen, if you're feeling broken today, you need to remember something. You're not an accident. 
Our God created you. He loves you. He has a purpose and plan for your life. If you will trust him, if you'll trust him, he can put those broken pieces of your life back together into something more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And that's just the beginning. Here's the second lesson we learn about being fully devoted uh, from Mary. Number two, I decide to use my gifts to serve others. I decide to use my gifts to serve others. And we see that in, in Mary. After she's restored by Jesus, she shows her devotion by using her gifts and abilities to serve Jesus and to serve other people. She goes from brokenness to a woman who devoted her everyday life to serving. She used everything that she was, her gifts, her talents, her abilities, her time. She used her very life to serve Jesus in any way that she could. She was devoted. Now, I I want you to think, though, about how profound this is. I mean, Jesus heals her. He removes the stigma of being demon-possessed. I mean, do you realize how easy it would have been, you know, I mean, because she's an outcast in society, just to say, whew, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that. You healed me. Now I can just go back to living life, you know, the way I always thought I should or I could. You healed me. I'm grateful for that. But now I can, you know, just kind of go my own way, you know, to kind of get back to normal living. She could have done that. And I think many people do do that. But instead, out of just overwhelming gratitude for Jesus and how he has changed her life, she basically says, you know what? I'm going to start using my gifts, my time, my ability, you know, my, my resources. I'm going to use all of it to serve Jesus and to be a blessing to other people. Now, here's what I think. I think we face the same choice in our lives. Okay, when you encounter Jesus and you you have a real encounter with him and he forgives you, he sets you free, you have a choice to make. Either you're going to use this now newly restored life to serve him and to be a blessing to others or you're just going to go back and just serve yourself, which does you know, raise up the question, has he really changed you? You see, the truth is, everyone here today, you know, we all have gifts, we have talents, we have abilities, we have experiences, we have personalities, all of it. It makes up who you are. But all of that was given to you by God. All of it. And he's not giving you all of that just to keep hidden or to use for yourself or to chase after the American dream. He's he's given you all of those things, your gifts, your talents, your time, your ability to, to use in the kingdom of God to serve other people. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now stop there for just a second. 
You need to know that. You need to understand that. Listen, if, if you've been saved, God has given you a spiritual gift. And I know some of you grew up in, a, in an environment where you just have such a terrible self-esteem that you can't even cope, understand this, that, hey, I don't care what the world's told you. I don't care what your parents might have told you. But in the kingdom of God, you are gifted. God has, has, has supplied you with spiritual gifts. So we're all gifted. Those gifts are not an accident. And then what does he go on to say here? Use them well to selfishly serve yourself. It doesn't say that, does it? Use them well to what? Serve one another. Serve one another. So let me ask, what are you doing with what God has given you? Out of gratefulness, out of being overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done in your life, are you serving? Are you serving him? Are you serving others? Like Mary, have you decided, have you made the choice to, you know, that you want to help Jesus' mission in any way possible? Now I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about the gifts and the talents and the time and the experiences that God has given you. And I just, I'm going to lay it on the line today. Hey, and here at Coastal, let me just tell you, we make no apologies for challenging people to get off their blessed assurance and serve. Why? Because Jesus said, you want to find life, you want to discover life, then you give your life away in service to other people. So let me just ask, lay it on the line today. Are you using what God has given you to serve Jesus and serve other people? See, when you stand before God in eternity, you will be accountable for two questions. One is the most important. What did you do with Jesus? But the second one, once you get that one right, it is, hey, what did you do with everything that I gave you? How did you leverage it? So let me ask some questions. Do you have a heart for kids? You love kids. You could be a part of Coastal Kids. Here at Coastal, Coastal Kids, our children's ministry from birth to fifth grade, you could use your time and effort and energy and talents and abilities and experiences to invest in the next generation. Do you have a heart for people? Can you smile? Turn to your neighbor right now and smile. Just practice that. Hey, guess what? You can all be a part of First Impressions. Did you know that? You could be serving. You could help our church you know, create an atmosphere of, of warmth and kindness, and you could welcome those people who attend. Are you a gifted musician or singer? Could you use those gifts as a part of our worship team to help bring people into God's presence through worship? Listen, no matter what your gifts are, God can use you. Let me ask you a question. How do you think these chairs get set up every week? You think the chair angel comes swooping down in here and uh, whoosh, they all get set up? No. By servants. And by the way, you don't have the spiritual gift of chair set up. You know? It's just the servant. The little the, the bulletin that you have with all the stuff in it, do you think, again, the bulletin angel shows up here on the weekend and magically, mystically, all that stuff happens? No. It's by volunteers. It's by servants. Listen, here's what I want everybody to do right now. Pull out your Connect card. This thing we ask you to fill out every week, pull it out. You're watching online, let's, let's look at it there as well. On the back, decisions. On the right of the back, I would like to volunteer to serve. Where are you serving here? 
first impressions, chair team, parking team, prayer, children, that's coastal kids, student ministry. We have a new youth pastor, student ministry, worship team, online engagement, tech, security, care, all of it, opportunities to serve. Let me say this. One of the big needs that we're going to have for Easter weekend, you ready for this? Coastal kids. Coastal kids. We got six services. We're providing, you know, children's ministry in all six By the way, if you serve in Coastal Kids, we need you attending a service and then serving in multiple services, okay? And by the way, if you have a child in Coastal Kids and you've never served over there, it's time to start Easter weekend. Man, just give back. You know, give back. Like, uh, here's what I want to see happen today. I want to see about 20 people circle that word children because we need it. You know, we're going to be reaching out to people. We're going to be uh, six services, and we need assistance. You could serve in nursery. You know, why not? What are you doing? You know? And th- this is what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower. Serving, you know, if you're serving here, you are serving in the kingdom. You know, listen, lives get changed here week in and week out. And yes, this church really believes in serving our community. Be here on Saturday. Be a part of that. Find a place to use your gifts. You cannot say that you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus unless you're doing that. Now, one quick challenge here from Mary Magdalene. Don't ever let your past disqualify you from being used by God. It's so easy to say, yeah, but Pastor Chris, I'm just not good enough. I feel like I'm damaged goods. Listen, if anybody could have said that, it was this woman. I was possessed by seven demons. Like, can you top that? You know, there's no way God could ever use me. Listen, God did not save and heal Mary just for her to sit around. And he didn't heal you of your brokenness so that you could just take up space. He has a purpose for you. Get this. Sometimes your greatest hurt will become your greatest ministry. Did you hear that? Write that down. Sometimes your greatest hurt will become your greatest ministry. Man, I love it. I get excited when I see somebody in our church who has struggled with, let's say, addiction for years, but then Jesus gets a hold of them, sets them free, and now they're helping somebody else through their addiction. I love it when I see someone in our church who recently got out of debt and now they're helping those who are drowning in debt get out of debt. I love it when I see people in our church who've been through an incredibly painful divorce or the loss of a loved one and they came out on the other side and now they are helping others do the same. Right there, by the way, I just mentioned celebrate recovery, grief share. Um, What's the other one? Divorce care. Listen, sometimes your greatest pain, your greatest hurt will become your greatest opportunity, your greatest ministry. So to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, allow God to restore my broken life, use my gifts to serve others, and then number three, I give generously to God's mission. I give generously. Mary not only used her gifts to serve Jesus, but the Bible says she actually used her money her resources, she put her money where her mouth was to fund God's mission. Look at Luke 8, 1, 2. Among them, and again, he's talking about this group of supporters of Jesus, were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, uh, Herod's business manager, Susanna, get this, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. They were funding his ministry. 
Mary Magdalene contributed to Jesus and his ministry from her own resources so that Jesus and his disciples could carry out their mission. Some of you maybe have wondered, how did that happen? How did these guys travel around and teach? How were they funded? This is it right here. And it wasn't a one-time thing. It was continuous. For three and a half years, Jesus traveled from town to town, ministering to people. Uh, His disciples had to eat, had to have a place to stay. They needed supplies. This is how it happened. Mary's generosity, along with that of others, made that possible. Just like Mary. If you are fully devoted to Jesus, your life, your money, will model generosity. Listen, God blesses us financially, not so that you can chase after the American dream. Not so that you can keep it all for yourself, but so that you can be a blessing to others. This is foundational foundational for for the church if we're going to be able to carry on the mission of Christ. You know, our mission here at Coastal is to share and experience the life and love of Jesus with Charleston and the world. And it is the generous giving, the generous, consistent giving of our people that make that possible. Period. Period. That's it. No other way. Me and Miss Janet, we didn't win the lottery, you know? Didn't have, you seen the cars I drive? You know, come on. You know, that's not the way it works. You know, we're not being funded by some, you know, larger group or denomination, anything. No. Happens from you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, let me clarify here. What we reap when we give generously to the church is something far, far greater than money or possessions. Let me tell you what you reap. You reap seeing your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, seeing their lives changed because you are a generous giver. Man, I think about all the life change that happens here at Coastal. I think about all the, the, the outreach that we do in our community, all the, the people that we feed, the people that we clothe, everything that happens here through this church. It all happens through the generous, consistent giving of our people, period. And Mary's generosity supported Jesus' mission and it affected all those people who came into contact with him. And she was able to show her devotion through her generosity. It's one of the ways that it it marked being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let Let me say this this morning really quickly. Everybody, everybody's got a next step in your giving. What's your next step? For some of you, it's just to get started. You come here, you enjoy, you take in, but you don't give anything. That's your next step. Get started. So many ways to give here at Coastal. Another next step for some people is just to start give consistently. To give regularly, to give consistently. A third next step would be to give proportionately. To step out in faith and tithe. 10% of your gross income. Well, Pastor Chris, is that 10% of net or gross? You want a net blessing or a gross blessing? You know? Pretty simple. But the Bible says if you're not doing that, you're robbing God. That house you're living in, it's stolen. That car you're driving, stolen. Those clothes you're wearing, shoplifted. Because you're not honoring God. Another step is just to give generously. You're like, wow, Pastor Chris, there's a step after tithing? Yeah, God owns it all. And I just get joy in giving. Because I've learned I can't outgive him. What's your next step? 
This is what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. This is what it looks like for the person who was at the, at the cross with Jesus to the very end. Now let me be very clear. It doesn't mean that you're gonna live a life void of, of problems or hurt or pain. There will be times in your life that are very painful. And when that happens, I think this next lesson is one we have to learn from Mary, and that is remain faithful during the tough times. Remain faithful. One characteristic of being fully devoted is that you don't give up when the, when the going gets tough. You stick with it. It's easy to be devoted, you know, when everything's going your way. But it's tough when life is hard. When the going gets tough, it's easy to throw in the towel. Let's go back to the cross that day. Jesus has just been crucified, uh, Mark 15, 40. Some women who uh, were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, they had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Now, obviously, this was a tough time. Jesus is on the cross, follower, for, for his followers, everything seems, all hope seems lost. But even in this dark moment, we find Mary. She's faithful to the end. I mean, I mean Peter, Jesus' most famous and outspoken disciple, the one who had promised Jesus the night before, man, I'll be with you all the way to the end, till death, Jesus. You can count on me. And just that night, he, you know, he denied that he even knew Jesus three times and cursed him. But not Mary, she's faithful to the end. Here's one of the reasons why I think that's true. She'd been in a place in her life where she was rejected by society. Possessed by demons, everybody in her life turned their back on her, but Jesus did not. And I think that meant something to her. And now here at the end of her life, her friends, you know, when all of his friends have been, you know, turning their back on him, Mary was there. I think that's a, an example of being faithful. You see, I think devotion leads to courage. You know, you take these steps of being devoted, being a fully devoted follower of Jesus, well, then that does naturally lead to courage, and then that courage is what gets you through tough times. Maybe you've recently lost a job. Devotion leads to courage, so you don't give up, you know, when you don't have a job, when times are tough. Devotion leads to courage, so you stick it out in your marriage when it's struggling. Devotion leads to courage, even in those times when it's so painful and you've lost a loved one. Devotion leads to courage as you live out your faith in your workplace or at your school where it's not very popular to be a follower of J Jesus. Devotion always leads to courage. You know, during tough times, we're all tempted to doubt, to run away, to give up. Don't. Look at this next verse, Isaiah 41.10. It's a promise that you can hold on to. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Listen, Jesus ultimately wins. Not you, him, but he holds your hand up. Man, hold on to that. Devotion leads to courage. We're all like Mary. At some point in our life, we've all been broken. We have all been stained by sin. It has broken us, and sometimes we think that we can never be who God wants us to be. I can never be that person that God created me to be. I, I, I can't be used by God, loved by God, because I am stained, I am broken. 
Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. That's just not the case. The Bible says that God saw your situation. You know what he did? He stepped out of heaven and he came to earth. He sent his son Jesus into this world. He lived that perfect life so he could be that sacrifice and then he went to the cross and at the cross he took upon his, his shoulders, his shoulders, all of our sin, all of our shame, every sin you've ever committed, every sin you will ever commit, Jesus took on himself when he was nailed to that cross. That sin went with him to the grave. He was buried, he stayed in that grave for three days, and on the third day, the Bible says, God raised him from the dead. He is alive, he has defeated sin and death and its power in our lives, but the story is actually greater than that. Not only did he overcome sin and death for the world, but as you and I stand in this state of sin, the Bible simply says that if we will believe in him, if we will put our faith in what Jesus did for us and acknowledge that Jesus really is who he said he was all the time, that he is God, that he is Lord of all, that he will come into our life. And listen to this, he will take what was stained and broken and impure and he will make it whole again. He will make it pure again. That's what God does. He takes the broken pieces and puts them back together so that when he looks at you, he says, perfect. Not because of what you've done, but because of your faith in what Christ has done. He takes a stained life that couldn't possibly be made clean again, and he makes it clean as you stand before a holy God, and you can become who he created you to be, accepted and loved by him. That is the power of the cross. Listen. Is that something that you can try to do on your own? Absolutely not. If you try, you will fall flat. It's only through the power of Christ. He's the only one that can take that which is stained and broken and make it clean and whole again. Look at this last verse, and then we're going to pray together. Listen to this. Come now. Let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, I will make them white as wool. Listen, no matter how bad you've been broken, no matter how badly stained you feel like your life is by sin, through faith in Jesus, he can make you as white as snow. He can take those broken pieces of your life and put them back together again into something more beautiful than you can ever imagine. He did it for somebody like Mary Magdalene, and he can do it for you. He can do it for you. I want to pray with you. And if you're here today, if you're watching this online, and you've never yet brought your brokenness to Jesus, bring it today. Allow him to do this in your life. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear loving Father, we come before you today thinking about the cross, recognizing how much we celebrate the resurrection, but understanding that it was what you took upon yourself on the cross that makes it possible for us to have life taking our sin to the grave with you. And so, Father, I want to pray for those who are here today 
first of all, who are already followers of Jesus, who are already forgiven, but maybe they're not living that way, not living as devoted followers. Listen, who are you letting, you know, someone or something from your past or some sin in your life keep you from being everything that you, that you know God intended you to be? What are you allowing to keep you from feeling loved and accepted by God? Father, help us to understand the significance of what you did on the cross and that now we are accepted. We have been made clean. Help us to live that way. Help us to take those next steps in being fully devoted. And Father, I wanna pray for those that are here right now or watching this that have not yet brought their brokenness to you that are not yet followers of Jesus. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you are here and God has brought you here so that, he, so that you might be able to say, my life is broken, my life is stained, and I have so many regrets and so many fears and so much garbage in my life. And I wanna give it all to you, God, to do what only you can do. Listen, if you will accept him into your life right now, he will forgive you, he will turn you into the person he created you to be, he will take those broken pieces and put them back together again. Just simply pray something like this, dear Heavenly Father, I admit it, I am broken, I am stained, but today I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son, I believe that he went to the cross for me, and I believe he rose from the dead, and so God, he is the Lord. He is God, he is the Lord of all, and today I recognize him as mine, my Lord, my Savior. And now, God, I just, like Mary, I wanna, I wanna be faithful and follow him, and follow him. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for the power of the cross through the eyes of your devoted servant, Mary. We love you, God, and we pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.